Hey, this is Tyler Maine, and you're listening to Don't Go Out There Horror Podcast. Hey guys, this is Danielle Harris, Jamie Lloyd from the Halloween franchise, and you are listening to the Don't Go Out There Horror Movie Review Podcast. Thanks so much. In a world where zombies, ghosts, serial killers, and vampires all exist, it's Nico, Brian, Mike, and Dustin, and they are all that stand between you and the films that could end the world. Welcome to the Don't Go Out There Horror Movie Podcast. Welcome back, everybody, to the Don't Go Out There Horror Movie Review Podcast, powered by the Big Three Roll-Up. I uh, just want to thank all our fans and listeners. I really appreciate all the support. Y'all are awesome. Uh, before we jump into tonight's film review, I just want to give a quick shout-out to our our website, don'tgooutthere.com. Uh, our website has everything you need to know about this podcast or any links that you'll you'll need it's on our website our episodes our interviews our store our blog uh, our social medias facebook twitter instagram youtube go follow us or subscribe to us on those platforms and uh we recently launched a, a patreon s type thing called blood donors we have all different type of tiers so yeah if uh if you you know we had a lot of fans who say how can you help us out? Uh, how can we support you guys? Just go to our website and check that out. By now, you've heard about our Patreon-esque tier donation program you know, to help with things like web hosting, podcast hosting, and just basically keeping the lights on called Blood Donors. And by God, you want to help. Well, let me tell you more. We have different donation levels with tons of different perks from you know, an autographed picture, an on-air shout-out, to picking a movie and joining us for an episode. Well, joining some of us, if you pick Jason X, I'm calling him sick that day. Um, you know, and we and we know that we could never repay your generosity, and we have some of the best fans in the world, but if you'd like to go ahead and donate even just $5, please go to don'tgooutthere.com, click Donate. Um, disclaimer, we are referring to donating money and not actual blood, uh, which makes this next part super awkward, but... Oh, yes, there will be blood. But that's a figure of speech, not real blood, you animals. And I just want to say happy, happy, happy late birthday to Mike. We're finally getting around to his birthday pick. <laughs> and uh, I'll just go ahead and let Mike uh, take over now and let him announce his pick. Uh, as the SpongeBob narrator would say, two months later. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I picked Rob Zombie's Halloween 2, much to the dismay of my co-host for the most part. And Brother Dustin's not with us tonight. He had a work emergency, could not be here. Uh, but uh, yeah, I picked this movie not because I enjoy it a ton. I think that's something I'm kind of known for on this show is, is picking stuff that I don't always like. I, I find... Sometimes I find that more interesting, which I know is weird to some people, but other people get it, and that's okay. Uh, listen. Sometimes, basically, sometimes Mike just goes, I want us all to be miserable. Here we go. Well, kind of, because I think sometimes <laughs> it makes for an interesting discussion, which just this movie does, but not so much because of the movie, because I think we kind of agree on the movie as a, as a group, but more so a, a, a discussion about about. The this time period of the Halloween franchise, I think, is really where the interesting discussion comes from, and this movie brings up a lot of different ones. Uh, but as far as the movie goes, look, it's okay. Um, I will say this: 
I give this movie credit, and I give Rob Zombie credit, the director, for doing something different, which I always try to do in these types of franchises, whether it be Saw or Friday the 13th or Nightmare on Elm Street or Halloween, anything with a long-running franchise. I like to give credit to people who come in and do something different. Whether I like it or not is irrelevant to my compliment of giving them a little bit of a tip of the cap to doing something out of the box, not not with the franchise norm. It's why I'm very alone in this besides listening to the show, Sean Irwin. I like Jason X because it's so different. I like Jason Goes to Hell because it's so different. Uh, and, you know, stuff like that. So I'll, I'll, I'll start with that. I'll say that I like it because it's, well, I don't like it per se, but I like that he did something different. Um, again, you get a lot of Rob Zombie in here. Sometimes I like that, like Devil's Rejects and uh, the Lords of Salem, and sometimes I don't. Uh, the dialogue is, is uh, to me, the dialogue is less cringy than the first one, which I enjoy the first one more because of the nostalgia for it. But the dialogue in this movie is less shit fucks than flappy titties. Um, that's for sure. Now you get like corpse sex in the first set of scenes, which we'll get to. So that stuff's kind of whatever. But I expect that from a Rob Zombie movie, and that's okay. Um, I like the way the movie's shot. I think 16mm makes it grimy and dirty and whether I want that in a Halloween film, it's kind of a separate conversation. I still think it it helps this movie out quite a bit. Um, there's obviously two cuts of this movie. The theatrical cut, which you can only buy on Blu-ray in Canada. So if you have the theatrical cut, that's where that Blu-ray came from. Um, and you get the director's cut, which most of us have seen in the movie that Rob Zombie wants everyone to see. Uh, I think we're in an agreement as a show. I prefer the theatrical cut. There's some things I would have left in. I'll save those. Uh, there, there, there's some things I would have kept from the director's cut, kind of put it on the theatrical cut, and it would have made me a much better film. But uh, this movie provides, to me, an interesting conversation amongst the three of us here tonight about, about franchises that go long and long and long and, and, and doing something different in those franchises. Did it work? Did it not work? Stuff like that. I think I know where you guys lean, but I'm still interested to hear your... Uh, Hear your conversation. So that's why I picked this movie for dialogue purposes. So, Mike, you mentioned that, you know, it was a, a separate discussion when you said that whether some of this stuff uh, should be in your Halloween movie. But I mean, I would argue that that's exactly the discussion that that's I mean, fair. I'm going to have anyway, oh, that's fair. because, you know, that I mean, this is they do call it, you know, me yeah. and you were joking off air because I said I don't own this movie. <laughs> I own all the Halloween movies, but I don't own this movie because I don't consider it a Halloween movie. And you said, Fair well, enough. the title's Halloween. Hey, but, Halloween, but that's, Halloween 3 has Halloween in the name. So that's true. It's more Halloween y, I guess, I would argue, than this. But it's, you know, I would I, I would say that that's a big part of my discussion anyway, okay. whenever, yeah. we, whenever we go ahead. Before watching this, I'd actually only seen the Rob Zombie's Halloween 2 once all the way through. Um, it, it, it was the director's cut. Uh, I rated this movie 31 out of uh, in our uh, 31 for 31 rankings. I rated it dead last in our uh, Halloween movie ranking show. Um, in short, I, I hated this movie. Uh, I was like Mike said, I was dreading this rewatch. Um, I gave him shit for the past two months when he's talked about picking this movie. <laughs> um, you know, uh, this time I watched the theatrical version and the director's cut and realized that I'd never actually seen the theatrical cut until this one. Um, 
has my opinion changed upon this rewatch? The short answer is no. I mean, I still don't like it, but it's a little bit more complicated now that I've seen both cuts of the film. Um, it's it's just not what I want to go see in a Halloween movie. Right. Um, you know, and, and I say what I want to see because, I mean, this is very much a Rob Zombie movie. So if you like his other works like Dustin does, I mean, you probably like this one um, because I feel like uh, like I kind of touched on a minute ago. If you take away the title, it's just another Rob Zombie film with with honestly generic characters. I feel like that you could pull out and you could insert like anywhere within his Rob Zombie universe. Um, you know, everything I did like about the first one that made it a Halloween movie to me, you know, and I'll get to it throughout whenever we go through the discussion, but it's all gone to me. And if that's for you, Hey, you know, it's for some people. I'm just not perfectly a fan of what's left. Um, you know, and, and also, you know, like, like you touched on the director's cut this time and, and it's a little bit more controversial because, especially because of the ending with Myers talking, you know, you know, I'll do my best to kind of touch on the differences throughout. I almost on all the scene breakdowns, I have the differences in the two cuts. So we'll get into that, but just because I would say we just because I'll just speak for myself just because I don't like the movie and I'm straight up coming out and saying I don't like the movie doesn't you know I, I've not liked a lot of the movies we've done but it doesn't mean I'm just going to sit here and shit on the movie or you know the entire time I mean hey well, you know we're anything if we're not professionals here right go ahead all right uh so just like Brian had mentioned the only cut of this movie i had seen up until yesterday when i did my notes was the director's cut and i'm not a fan of the director's cut uh i think we've all kind of made that pretty clear it's just too extreme with uh two of the main characters uh but after watching the theatrical cut it kind of redeemed itself a little bit for me because i mean i think i've made myself clear about how i feel about rob zombie if and if you don't know how I feel, go listen to my uh, rating on Three from Hell. But anywho, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, it, it's I think if it, any loyal listeners might be surprised when I say this, but I think I kind of saw the vision a Zombie was going for in this one, and I, I didn't hate it as bad as I thought. And I agree with Mike. I don't think the the dialogue was as bad as the first one. Uh, you know, it wasn't as forced. There wasn't as much of that just nasty talk, uh, which I appreciated. There was a uh, less gratuitous nudity, I would say, except for the strip club scene. Um, surprisingly, I, I actually liked this movie a little more than I thought I would, because uh, because halfway through it, I was like, I feel like there's some stuff missing because I rented this movie on Prime, and uh, I realized I was watching a theatrical cut, and I was like, man, I wish I would have saw this one from the get go, so I didn't hate it as bad as I said I did in the past. But uh, I'm kind of like with you, Mike, how you brought up like. Uh, doing something different you know i like jason takes manhattan and resurrection so obviously like different stuff sometimes uh whether that is good for my uh, reputation on the show or not i don't know um <laughs> but i kind of see this like you mentioned too mike uh, it's kind of like the jason goes to hell like it's super different it uh right and, and even adam marcus himself said it you know, he's had a lot of people come and say, I didn't like your movie as a Jason movie, but just as a cool horror movie, I liked it. And uh, Halloween 2 might fall in that category for me after this rewatch. I, I, I'm still processing it all. And uh, Brian mentioned before we started that um, I got two ratings, maybe. One for the theatrical and one for the director's cut. 
And I think I have two ratings as well. Uh, Mike, you got any more comments before we start? Oh, uh, yeah. Something you touched on there that I meant to, and I think it's interesting, is I said it when we reviewed the first Rob Zombie Halloween. And that is, if you took Halloween off both of these movies and removed the name of Michael Myers and Laurie Strode, those three things, and I know this is a lot of caveats, but stay, stay with me here, and you named it, you know, killer on the loose or some, you know, stupid shit. Okay. And the killer's name was Fred. And you got the exact same story. You may not like that story regardless, but I do stand by the fact that I think more people would like this as a two movie set. If it didn't have those three things involved, um, because the story itself, the backstory from the very, you know, Michael Myers as a kid, all the way, all the crazy stuff the second one tries to tie in, uh, especially the director's cut. Um, while not perfect and still not my favorite thing ever, I feel like more people would like those movies just as Rob Zombie movies called whatever, with a killer named whatever, with a different mask, you know, all that stuff. So how I felt about that in the first one, I feel even stronger about that in this one because um, – you know, you get into some, you know, and I know this isn't for everybody in their horror, but you really, they do a pretty good, I think Rob does a good job kind of diving into someone's trauma. You know, that's a word that gets thrown around a lot these days. But man, the PTSD from, from three different perspectives and how three different people handle that, whether that be Loomis, which we are going to touch on this version of Loomis. That's for fucking sure. Um and uh, Annie and Lori and how everyone kind of handles the events of uh, that Halloween night differently, I think is interesting. I just don't know if it works in a Halloween movie all that much, but I understand what Rob was going for. That's kind of always been my thought on it. Well, and that's, and that's, I've tried to argue that and I've tried to maybe get that point across and maybe have failed, but that's, that's my biggest gripe is that I feel like that I just don't like, I don't think that these movies are Halloween movies that I want to see. And it's not, you know, he tried to do yeah, something different. And and we've said this off air. I mean, this is a badass Jason Voorhees character. This is, uh, you know, hell, it even takes it a step further with this one and Cherry Moon Zombie basically being kind of a Pamela Voorhees type mom character to him, too. Like, I think that Zombie would, I would like to see yeah. Rob Zombie make a Friday the 13th film. Me too. I know that uh, uh, Nico just shivered, but yes, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm open to it. I mean, just well, what I was just going to say was like zombie really needs he needs a Lee Wynell. He needs a yeah an Evan Goldberg. You know what I'm saying? You know he needs a right hand guy to like just right be right over his shoulder and say, hey man, this doesn't work, but the the grand scheme works. But this part right here affects the grand scheme because right. I honestly feel like you, if you change just a few things in the theatrical cut, this would be a really good movie to me if you change just. Hey. I mean, it's big things, but if you change them and just, just you know, erase this and just add this, I think it's a good movie, a really good movie. I'm about to lose YouTube, but I know we have some crossover in our audience, so I'm going to use it as an example. Uh, back during, you know, the Wrestling Monday Night Wars, Vince Russo was one of the writers for WWF, you know, FE. Uh, he had all the crazy, stupid ideas that, ever, you know, that some people loved, and a lot of people thought he was a freaking moron and he had Vince McMahon there to 
kind of rein him in and don't let him do all the uh, don't let him go full Jerry Springer or whatever with everything. And have Vince McMahon there and say, I don't think we're going to do that, pal. Rob Zombie needs somebody like that to kind of go, and eh, maybe we don't do this, but but we can still get your point across while making it a little bit more not safe isn't the right word, but a little more tame. So there I see go. that. I completely see that. And you know, after you know the first six Halloween movies or whatever, you know I kind of wouldn't mind seeing you know uh, this is blasphemous to diehard Halloween fans, but I kind of like the the arc that McDowell took. If you just don't make him like an, a super asshole, but if you make him just like a, it's like oh man, I, I'm getting fame from this. Uh, I kind of like that, but just the way he talks to his secretary kind of kills it. But and then well, if you just make Lori, you know, more sympathetic and not annoying. I really like that too, but right. there's just but some things. And, and just, they did. He, you know, the the theatrical cut. I will admit, she is not at all oh, annoying no. to me. She's that director's holy. cut, I fucking hate her guts. But yeah. the direct, but you know, that they they made Rob Zombie go back and cut that stuff because of that, right? Because it, people hated right. Lori and they didn't want that to happen. And, and I understand that too. There's a part of I see both sides of that. I like that character of Lori better, the more likable one. But there's a part of me that understands what Rob was doing and making it a little more realistic when you have something traumatic like that. You're not always going to be rainbows and butterflies. And and I do understand what Rob was doing. I just may not want to see it in this movie. (laughs) That's all. Well, and I I think personally that they got they still get that point across. Me too. I think I think Zombie just pulls Zombie and goes too far with stuff. And I think that's something he just went too far and crossed the line with, which. We know he can do, <laughs> and it's yeah. I think my tip, like in, I think my go tip, ahead. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Nico. No, go ahead. All I was gonna say was just like she is significantly better in the theatrical cut, but even seeing just like where she first starts reading the book and she's just like punching the steering wheel and screaming, it's like it's kind of annoying me right now. <laughs> but uh, I actually, I, mean, love, I actually love that scene. Believe it. Yeah, or not. me too. Like I would yeah, rather me. her start crying <laughs> or something like that. That just I don't know. Maybe I'm just so ingrained with the direct the director's cut I, I can't pa- give it a pass no more hey and i probably have a controversial take on my dr lumens which i'm gonna save uh but i uh one last thing i want to say i've said it before is this movie gives us one great scene that halloween 2 1981 did not give us and i've always flawed that movie for it and that is the fact that in this movie, we at least get to see Laurie Strode find out she's related to Michael Myers. In the other one, it's just Nurse and Loomis and Jamie Lee Curtis never fucking finds out. In this one, we at least get to see how she handles that, and and then she doesn't handle it very well. <laughs> and True. before we start, I just wanted to give one fun fact based on what we've been talking about. The word fuck is used 112 times in this film. <laughs> That's got to be less than the first one. It has to be. <laughs> However, in the opening scene... I don't know the opening with the corner. We'll get into it. <laughs> Darn you, Richard Brake. Um, hey, man. Hey, man, love hurts, you know? <laughs> oh, jeez. Hey, thank you. Thank you. Y'all ready to jump into the scene by scene? Yeah, we've Let's rambled go. enough. Let's do it. And I'm going to go ahead and keep it 100. Uh, I like the opening scene outside of the white horse bullshit. I think it's good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Film starts with text on screen. It's an excerpt from the subconscious psychos of dreams about the white horse. Now we see Deborah Myers walking into the mental hospital to visit Michael. This is when he's little. 
He tells her of the dream he had about her being all dressed up in white and almost appearing as a beautiful ghost in a white horse. Title card, and one year later, we see Lori walking down the road with a gun in her hand, and Sheriff Brackett pulls up on her in his car. She's bloody and injured. She says she killed him. Lori is in the hospital on a stretcher, absolutely freaking out. The doctors say we need trauma, x-rays. She's very injured. They load up Loomis into an ambulance now, and they start to uh, tend to Lori's injuries. Gary and Hooks load up Myers in the coroner's van. They complain of how heavy he is. They now talk about how fine the dead chicks were, and Hooks asks Gary the difference between jam and jelly. They now run into a cow in the middle of the road, wrecking the van. Gary survives the crash, but he's terribly injured, and calls for Hooks, but he's dead. He passed away. He now yells, <laughs> fuck, over and over. Michael Myers is still alive and gets out of the van. He grabs a big piece of glass, and he saws Gary's head off. Michael now walks down the street, where he sees a white horse and his mother, Deborah. Back at the hospital, Lori wakes up in a dark room. She hobbles to Annie's room, weeping, as she sees all her injuries, crying out not to die. Nurse Daniels tells her she needs to go back to her bed, and she's called over the intercom to the emergency room. Lori shouts out she needs something for her head. She feels dizzy. The nurse walks back in, and she's got like this cut across her face. She's bleeding, and she screams, and she falls to the floor. Michael hovers over her and stabs her viciously over and over in the back. We see Lori escaping the hospital, running into other dead workers left by Myers. She makes it outside into the rain, crying for help. Michael gets an axe, and cut. we cut back to Lori. She makes it into this guard shack through the window. Buddy, the night watch guy, pulls up and goes into the shack. He sees Lori and asks what she's doing here, and gives her his jacket to stay warm. She's panicking, and he gives her coffee. He goes outside to get his car for them. He takes one step away, and I, I thought this was kind of funny. He takes one step away, and Lori's already calling out for him again. Yeah. <laughs> but he goes to unlock the door again for Lori, then gets axed right in the back by Michael Myers. Michael looks into the shack and sees no one. Lori is back under the desk. He breaks the window and starts to destroy the shack, and Lori panics. Myers makes it in and goes to axe Lori, but she wakes up screaming. It was just a nightmare. All right, Brian, go ahead. What would you think of the opening? Yeah, guys, bear with me a little bit because the first two two sets of scenes I kind of got a lot of notes on, mostly because I messed up and wrote too much. But you know, just just yell at me if I have diarrhea of the mouth. But um, <clears throat> first of all, I, I'm not a fan of the white horse stuff at all. I don't know if any any of us are. Um, like a lot of people have said, you know, I feel like that this was a way to shoehorn Sherry Moon Zombie into this one after killing her in the first one. And I just don't like the way that they did it. I think you get too much of a, like I mentioned earlier, Pamela Voorhees type thing going on. And, and I mean, you already have this big Jason-esque version of Myers. Uh, plus, plus you you had a supposed human in Myers be shot point blank in the head in the first one. And he's not dead. So, hell, just put her back in the movie and act like she didn't die. Who, who gives a shit at this point, honestly? The, and this isn't their fault at all, but the recasting of young Michael Myers with uh, with Chase Vanek is is very distracting to me, mostly because, and I'm sorry, but he's just not as good of an actor as as Dag Fark from the first one was. I mean, Dag played mentally disturbed very right. well. Absolutely. Um, you know, and, and from what I understand, they even shot some scenes with him, but he just aged too much. So again, it's not their fault. It's just a shame because I, I know how good Dag was in that role. Yeah, he was taller than Sherry Moon was. 
and they realized <laughs> yeah. that's not going to work. <laughs> yeah, not really. Um, on an opposing note and a positive one, I will say that, you know, in this group of scenes, Scout Taylor plays someone dealing with some serious trauma the night before very well. I mean, something in comparison, I think Jamie Lee Curtis didn't do in her original Halloween 2. Um, uh, we kind of talked about Richard Brake a little bit. He's, he's a legendary actor, um, once again, playing a fuckhead. And, you know, and this is just one of those Rob Zombie dialogue scenes he can't help but fucking throw in uh, about fucking corpses. So, you know, usually I complain about heads being ripped off, too. But, spoiler alert, this is my favorite kill. And I always say in those movies that I complain about it, I say, unless you're a friend of the show, Tyler Maines, Michael Myers, or Zombie Jason. So, eh, friend of the show. You can listen to his interview on don'tgoouttheer.com. Uh, Tyler Maine just fucking continues to be a monster. Um, this opening is probably meant to be this way. I just don't really care for how the the real part of what happened that night has no separation at all with with her dream. So, so the first time I watched this, I questioned the entire opening twenty minutes. I was like, "Is that a, was it a dream or not?" Which, again, given the undertones of this movie, it, it may have been what Zombie was going for there. I, I can just I can definitely see how it's confusing though. So, you know, to open the dream sequence when when Octavia Spencer. Uh, ditches Lori to to run up front. Uh, I thought it was hilarious that she walked, uh, Lori walked all the way back up front looking for her instead of just walking the rest of the way to her room. So I thought, I thought that was, I was like, what the, what are you doing? So you, um, you can also see uh, during Myers like rage stabbing of the nurse, the, uh, the plastic knife kind of folds up a bit there. I mean, Tyler Maine was, re- was really going at it there. It's, it's on the final swipe. On the final swipe, though, the whole knife just bends in the air as he's going down. So, uh, uh, And this is the first time, we haven't even talked about this, that you hear the grunting of Myers, which I, I'm not a fan of it being with Michael Myers, but it doesn't really bother me in this movie because, you know, it's, it's something I kind of try to separate anyway. And this is not my Michael Myers anyway. So, you know, it, it, it works honestly in this, and I don't have a problem with it. Like it does, you know, some people, um, and just a few more things, the camera work during the hospital scene, I think is tremendous. I mean, that, that combined with the quick cuts like zombies known for, I think it really helps put you in the scene. And, and I think it looks great. And again, Scout plays this tremendously. Um, in the director's cut, there's this really stupid scene, though, that really takes me out of it here, where, where Lori's running through the hospital and then falls in like literally a gigantic pile of bodies just in this big fucking hole in the ground. Because, sure, why not? There's just a gigantic pile of bodies. And to me, I think that's ridiculous. So, I, again, I'm very glad that they cut that out of the theatrical version. And lastly... I loved seeing the night watchman, Richard Rail, who, who has been in a lot of a ton of stuff, but, but Tom Smikowski and his uh, jump yes. huh. to conclusions, Matt from the office space is always what I will think of when I see this guy. And, and Lori could have told the dude that, you know, there was a killer outside. I mean, damn, he, she, she said a whole bunch of shit, but she'd never said huh. there's a killer outside trying to kill her. I mean, you know, it would have been nice. It's, it's Tom Smikowski. Um, and buddy, buddy opens that door as fast as I imagine. Dustin did for Mike this past weekend, roughing through his keys. But but that's an in, that's an inside joke that we won't get into. But I will uh, I, I will say that there was too much shaky cam in the guard's house with her running around. I didn't see the the need for that there. She wasn't running around. She was just under the desk and and you know the quick cuts to Michael. I thought were perfectly fine there. But that's all I had. Sorry for rambling on there. 
Oh no, man! The more the better. The more hey, that that's what this episode was for. Um, yeah. So I like I like this set of scenes as well. I think uh, even the stuff with the corners, I think is pretty good. Some of the dialogue is, you know, I could leave that on the cutting room floor about corpse fucking and you know boobs hanging out and all that other stuff. But I like that they hit the cow. I think that's kind of interesting. Uh, I'm with you, Brian. I love that kill. It's brutal. It's gross. But I love how I love how brutal and gross it is. Part of the reason, fantastic portrayal again of Michael Myers by Tyler Mayne. It he's again. I I'm I've been on you know record as James Drew Courtney being you know pretty much my favorite. You know, harder beat the original. But I mean, just Tyler Mayne is really up there because he's. The best of both worlds. He does a really good Michael, but he also brings the brutality of a Jason Voorhees, and he does that here. Um, you know, he spends a lot of this movie without a mask, and a lot of people don't like that. I understand. It doesn't bother me because it, it, it it's something different, and he does get his mask. I think it makes the mask mean more, um, but that's just my opinion. So, again, it really doesn't bother me that he's just kind of wandering around without one. Um now we get to the white horse stuff. I think that's a crock of shit. Um, that whole motif stinks to me. Um, and again, I like my Michael Myers motiveless. This is adding entirely too much motive to the character. Um, you know, even you you, you want to make them related, fine, but we're really getting into some some psyche stuff that I just don't think is necessary for the character. He's much scarier without a motive um stuff at the hospital or or excuse me as uh Lori is walking down the street not in this scene in particular but scout they were confident can call me sometime just just throwing it out there um but i think she does a great job walking down the street um really distraught you know you get her and loomis but you you get so her all the shots where she's being you know uh, gurneyed in the hospital, all the quick cuts, the directing. I, I like that stuff, and I like her performance there. The am I going to die, like all that stuff, I think it's really, really good. It's intense, and you're kind of wondering, are they going to – like probably not, but there was a little bit of a moment there where I thought they may kill off Lori in this opening set of scenes and maybe go a different direction. I, You know, how am I supposed to know? It's Rob Zombie. Oh, Scout is tremendous in this. Oh, yeah, she's, she's great. Like I think she's really good in both, but I think in this one she really – you know, brings her a game as far as acting goes and plays a really interesting character. Um, all the stuff in the hospital, I'll give Rob a little bit of credit here. You know, he picks the hospital motif, kind of a nod to Halloween 2, 1981. There's some re- some loose recreations of scenes as well from that movie. So give him a little bit of credit for kind of playing on people's emotions and then ripping it away. I I, I know that made a lot of people angry, I'm sure, but I, I like that he didn't just do a, cut for cut shot for shot remake of that 1981 movie because that to me they spend too much time in the hospital in that film and so um i like that we're not having it all take place on the the very following night i like that's where we start but i like that it's not directly the same night as the first movie that would have really just been another halloween 2 that we've already seen before at least give us something a little different so um you know i love the scene at the guard shack i think that's like, first of all, I love the rain. And I do know for a fact that 
some of that rain was real. Some of that rain they had to use fake rain. Like I did see that on the behind the scenes on the DVD that I have. And so they kind of got to play around with that a little bit. I know it was cold and some of the times they filmed some sure that wasn't pleasant. Um, you know, that, you know, uh, if you read the Taking Shape book, you kind of find out, you know, a lot more about uh, the what what went into making this movie and how some stuff had to get shifted and everything else. I think it's interesting. So I highly recommend the book Taking Shape. But um, love the scene with the guard shack. I think, you know, Michael Myers kind of ripping that down, whether you think that's realistic or not. At this point, Laura's dreaming, so anything can happen. So whether you think it's realistic really doesn't fucking matter because it's a dream. Uh, some people don't like that it's a dream. Uh, once I realized, okay, so here's where the director's cut, and you mentioned this scene, Brian, and I don't like the scene necessarily, but to me, it's a dead giveaway, and Demi James has pointed this out. That's a dead giveaway that it's a dream. All the, you know, the bottomless pit of cadavers that looks like Freddy's uh, boiler room, that's a dead yeah. giveaway that it's a dream, and I think if people had seen that version first, Maybe they wouldn't be. Maybe they wouldn't have been as pissed off about it um, as they were, you know, post seeing it in the theater. Uh, because a lot of people were mad that oh, we just wasted the first twenty minutes on a dream. And while I understand that, um, it doesn't bother me because you know, it it doesn't bother me upon rewatch because now I know. Okay, it's a dream. She's going through a lot of shit, so I understand it. By the way, shout out to uh, I don't think anyone's fact checked me here. I said it last week. Only Halloween movie with an Oscar-winning actress, Octavia Spencer. Eat my shit. <laughs> well, I mean, and, and you said that a lot of people, and they are, they can they complain that the first twenty minutes was a dream, and I was one of those people until you sit down and realize that no, actually, you know, the first ten minutes or so is actually what happened the rest of that night, and then it's a dream in the hospital part. But I would have liked a little bit more separation there to kind of show that, you know, a little bit. So, uh, you know, I think oh, maybe fair. that would have not made people so more, so mad. That's that's all. After she realized it was just a nightmare, she goes to the bathroom and reminds herself he's dead. It's October 29th, one year later. She pops some meds and washes her face off. Now we're at breakfast with Sheriff Brackett and Annie, and she gives him hell over getting a pastry for breakfast. Lori walks in, and she reminds him to get the pizza on the way home. They're very food-oriented home. She asks Lori if she had a rough night. She heard her screams. She tells Annie it was a hospital dream again. Lori leaves and heads to her psychiatrist. She tries to comfort her, and she understands she doesn't have much closure on Michael. She tells the doctor she's been thinking about her parents a lot and how much she misses them. She doesn't know who she is anymore. She wants to change the subject. And now we see Loomis pulls up to a hotel with his agent. He's giving her hell over the photograph used, and he demands her get him a tea. He's the new Loomis, not the old anymore. Lori gets to work now, and her boss gives her, you know, shit over being late to work and walks off after Maya, Maya and her appear uninterested. Maya asks Lori if she's coming to the party with her and Harley. Harley walks into the store as Lori says she's not really down for the costume concept. Harley says to suck it up, and they got a theme going. Loomis gives a lecture to an audience on Myers, and he is asked if he feels responsible for the victim's lives, and another asks if they believe Michael is still alive. He now snaps and tells them Myers is dead, as we see intercuts of Myers walking through a field. We now see Deborah Myers walking through the field, and they meet in this barn. Old Michael and younger Michael see their mother, and she says, Halloween is coming. You have to get ready. 
and she's counting on you to bring us home this year. Young Michael says, I love you. Now we see Floyd Sherman and Jasmine in a truck, and they drive up on Michael on their property. The two men exit the truck, and they question why he's here again. Michael doesn't answer, so they beat him with uh, a baseball bat, and I think it's a crowbar. Uh, The daughter tries to stop them, and the three load back up in the truck as she apologizes to Michael. Michael gets up and puts on his mask. He grabs Sherman from behind, slitting him across the eyes, then stabs Floyd in his gut and ramming him into the deer antlers on the front of the hood. He now stabs Sherman over and over. He drags Jasmine out the truck and stabbing her over and over. Michael goes to the dog pen now. Sheriff brings home pizza and asks who was the original starving Marvin. The two girls want to get him, uh, they want to get him like to be a vegan and it intercuts between them and Myers killing and eating the dog. Lori gets up from the table feeling sick and Annie gets her a wet cloth and holds her. All right, Brian, that's the next two scenes I got. Go ahead. Yeah, for, for as much as I praise the movie, the last set of scenes, bear with me because I got a bunch of complaints in this one. But uh, a few things I wanted to get off my chest, uh, first of all, was atmosphere. You know, I, I actually remember praising the uh, 07 Halloween for getting the atmosphere right. And in a Halloween movie, I've said it many times in our Halloween reviews, that's super important to me personally. Um But again, you know, nothing about this feels like it's in the fall. Nothing about this movie feels like it's during Halloween to me at all. And obviously noticeably missing until the credits is the John Hart Carpenter Halloween score all throughout. I mean, already I feel like that there was two or three times that it could have been used perfectly. And I guess to get it, he wants to distance himself. But again, you're making a Halloween movie. And in my opinion... Some things need to be in a Halloween movie and, you know, it, it, making it feel like Halloween's one of them. Um, you know, Annie is my favorite character in this. Uh, I, I think Daniel Harris does a tremendous job in Halloween, too. I wanted to give her her props for sure. But, I mean, Brad Dourif is outstanding. You know, he shines in this one. Uh, the way that I felt, and I talked about McDowell shining in the first one to me. You know, I really liked that he was he was given Dorf. I mean, was given more in this sequel to work with and and show off his acting chops. He did fantastic. Uh, uh, Margot Kidder, uh, original Lewis Lane here as the therapist. Um, a little fun fact uh, is her name here is uh, Barbara C in this film, and in uh, Black Christmas, she actually played Barbara Cord. Uh, Zombie has stated uh, that the original Black Christmas is one of his favorite films, so I'm sure that's not a coincidence there. Uh, again, though, I can't state it enough. Scout tremendous in this therapist scene as well. Uh, so, so the actual the theatrical cut of this makes Laurie a lot more likable, like we kind of discussed. But in the director's cut, I watched at this point, I hate Laurie. I mean, I, I mean, I get you know, showing the trauma, but, but their scenes cut with her getting super pissed, um, jumping down Annie's throat at the breakfast table in the last set of scenes, as well as more of her screaming at her psychiatrist in this one. And, and I, I think I know what he was going for, given the ending that I won't really spoil here, but kind of showing how quickly she can jump to that rage. I just, like I said earlier, think that Rob Zombie crossed the line with that. I think he went too far with trying to show it. Um, also, there was a, a scene with with her looking at an ink blot and seeing two white horses, which as much of the white horse crap as you can cut, the better. So, that, Also, not a fan of the arc with Loomis. You know, Mike said he was going to touch on this. I will here too. I really liked him in the first one a lot. Uh, I, I said that. I praised it. 
I praised the casting. Um, but the, but the writing just turned him into such a dickhole to, to, to literally everyone. And it was just a, he's just a pompous asshole that I don't relate to him. I really just despise him in this movie that I'm actually happy to see how, how it ends with him. The, in, in the opening with, uh, with young Michael being told his mother was dead and, and him speaking was weird because I thought it was shown in the first one that he wasn't talking at that point in the first one, uh, whenever they told him that his mom was dead, I guess that was retconned here too. So, um, and, and this scene also way better in the theatrical version as we kind of get this weird explanation in the director's cut, right? retconning Michael's killing animals and stuff in the first one to being like what kind of pushed him over the edge to, to now Lewis is Loomis is implying in this speech in the director's cut that it's a sexual Sigmund Freud thing, like a relationship with his mother and, and Loomis being the father figure to him. Fuck that. I'm, I'm so glad that they cut that out for the theatrical cut. Um, they, and, and another prop I gave Oh seven, was a relationship between Annie and Lori and Linda in the first one. I even said, and Michael remember, I think it did a better job with that relationship between those three characters than the 78 Halloween movie. It does. I care. I cared about those three, you know, these new friends of Lori's though. And I realize that's not the focus of this movie, but I don't give a shit about these new friend characters at all. I honestly, right now, without looking at my notes, cannot remember their names whatsoever. Um, also lastly, shocker, more redneck, white trash pieces of shit. I mean, look, it's only been like what, 10 or 15 minutes in this movie since the corner was on screen. It was about time for some more Rob zombie, white trash pieces of shit. So I will, I will say though, it was a great shot of him putting his mask on, you know, like through in front of the truck lights. I I thought that was poster worthy shot there. And, and I don't have any notes on this, but I wanted to speak to what Mike was talking about earlier with, with the mask. You know, a lot of people don't like him having them, didn't like him not having the mask on. When I first watched this, I, I hated it. I hated him not having the mask. I was like, that's fucking Michael Myers. You know, you have your fucking mask. And I felt like zombie was just shitting on the fact that he wasn't wearing a mask. But I, I, I don't remember who I was watching. I want to give him credit for it. It might be Cody I'm not really sure who it was that said it. Correct me if anybody finds out, but I didn't come up with this, but I read it or I heard it saw it on a video, but he, you know, they, they said, well, it's very obvious that he's, he puts on the mask whenever he's like, all right, I'm about to kill some motherfuckers. Like I'm about to put, you know, I'm about to kill somebody. I'm about to put this mask on. And then I noticed it and I was like, well, you know what? That's, that makes sense. So I, I, I hate that way less now that I understand the reason that he was now the reason that he's putting the mask on now. So anyway. Ah, so glad you said that. Uh, very, very glad. Okay. So I look, I, again, she wakes up. It's a dream. I don't mind it. Um, you you know, depending on which cut you watch, there's, you know, there's some different stuff there. I like, I like, the director's cut in this way. I liked it being two years later. And I know it's such a minute thing that no one else probably gives a shit about, but I think it makes it a little more interesting that it's two years after the fact. And Michael Myers has been roaming around as this hobo for two years. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know. I just think it, you know, changes the dynamic a little bit, not a big deal or anything. Um, I like, 
some of the stuff I like from the director's cut a little more is you get the, you know, the extra dialogue after Annie says one day at a time, babe. And, and, you know, Lori says one day at a time. That's cool. Stops right there. Uh, you know, the director's cut goes one fucking day to, and they go off and blah, 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 blah. I like that. I think it's good. I, you know, and I, again, some of the stuff you mentioned, Scout's great. Danielle Harris is great. I, you know, the one thing I don't like about the theatrical cut is they don't give Danielle Harris as much to do to me. Um, I know she's not supposed to be the main cog here, but I feel like the director's cut kind of gives her more dialogue, gives her more to play with. So maybe that's why I like it. Brad Dorf is the motherfucking man. I said this in Halloween 07. He, in this movie, steals the show. He is the... He is the star of this movie to me. He, you know, his portrayal of Sheriff Brad, it, it's awesome. I can't hype it up enough. There's a scene later in the movie. You guys know exactly the one I'm talking about. It's from the director's cut. But I am going to hype that scene up to no end. I think it's awesome. Um, you get, you know, the stuff with the psychiatrist. Shout out to Margot Kidder of, of Amityville Horror. Um, but I... Some of that stuff goes a little too much, a little too long for me. I don't know if I need all that, but I do like the fact that again we're getting into seeing Laurie uh, Laurie Strode's trauma, something we just don't get from the older Halloween movies. And whether you need that or not is one thing, but uh, it it definitely doesn't bother me. Um, now it goes a little long, like I said, I could deal without some of that, but and I could definitely deal without the ink blots, Brian, because I agree with you a thousand percent. Less white horse bullshit, more normal people things, please. <laughs> um, a couple other things that I do agree with you on. These friends are irrelevant. I don't remember their name. Walks into the shop, says, what's up, Dick Lickers? Like, that's all I remember about her friends. That's it. And it's the same friend later that likes golden showers, which, okay, no kink shaming over this way. But kind of don't need it in a Halloween movie. It's fucking weird. Uh, so, Lori's new friends are completely irrelevant to me. Like I said, didn't even take their names because I don't think it's necessary. Um, and it's not to knock the acting. I just don't think the writing for them is any good. They don't have anything interesting about them. Um, Lord, and I, you know, are they main focal points? No, but golly, can we get some kind of character development besides they, one likes to have sex and one is kind of a hippie. Like, I don't know. I just don't see, you know, anything else with those two characters. Um, Thank you. And, I, I, okay, the sh shot in the field where these redneck dumpster fucks beat Michael Myers up, Michael Myers puts on the mask and kills the shit out of these guys, I mean, these are all brutal kills, I love this scene, it is one of my favorite Halloween scenes, period, because of the way it's shot, so shout out to Rob for that, I think it's great, I think the lighting is awesome, like you mentioned, Brian, that's a cool shot, with him putting on the mask through the car lights. How awesome is that? And I'm mixed on the mask. I get the wear and tear. I, I get that it's, you know, decaying out in the, the weather elements, especially in the director's cut where it's two years. I, I get all that. I personally would prefer a little bit less of a torn mask. But, yes. but I don't think it takes away anything for me personally. Would I prefer a fuller mask? Yes. Does it ruin it? No, not 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 for me personally. 
uh, because we see Michael without the mask in this movie. So seeing his face in this movie is kind of irrelevant because he, you know, most of the movie he he's either in the shadows or you see his face. Um, I don't mind the grunts. I know, you know, we kind of, I should have already touched on this. The grunts are neither here nor there, but I really like the set of scenes or I really like this last scene to touch on where, where they're eating the pizza and get the starving Marvin thing, which I think is every dad joke ever. I bet Brian's going to make that joke tomorrow when he says he's hungry. Oh, sorry, buddy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> who's the original Marvin? And uh, his kids will get excited. That'll be fine. But, uh, um, hey, I think that Brad Dorf is great there. I think that Daniel Harris is really good. All their... Here's what I don't like. I don't need Michael Myers eating a dog and Laurie Stroke getting sick because of it. I don't Thank need you. some some telekinesis bullshit that they have going on. I was uh, wondering what that was. Like, I was wondering if it was some sort of weird psychological attachment, yeah. like some sort of fucking Harry Potter Voldemort thing they had it going is. on. I wasn't that's sure exactly, what that was. That's exactly what it is. She gets sick because he's eating a raw dog. So um, their connection there, I guess, family lineage-wise, um, you know, her getting sick out of nowhere – they probably think it's the meat on the pizza. No, it's your brother's eating a dog. Like, I, I just don't like it. it, it not- <laughs> Halloween 5. Halloween 5. Well, I was going to say, Rob Zombie would never admit to ripping that off. But... <laughs> of all the pre- shit to rip off, Halloween 5 is not the one to do well, it. Well, <laughs> I, 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 I can tell you right now, there's nothing worse. Well, that's not true. There's one thing worse in this movie than the stupid cops from Halloween 5. Anyway, uh, yeah, so, again, this set of scenes is a bumpy ride. Uh, there's some good, there's some bad. One of my favorite Halloween scenes of all time is in this set. But one of my least favorite things about this movie is also in this set. I don't need them to be telekinetically, you know, in entrenched with each other. It just doesn't work for me. Um, so, yeah, uh, a bumpy ride, this set of scenes. Hey, can I touch on one thing that you said about the mask? And, and you brought up rip it, the ripping part of it. And, you know, I, I said that I was... I was, you know, giving it to him. It's fair game. Like, if you're going to put the mask on when you're killing people, that's great and fantastic. But I felt like ripping it and showing his face was a little bit too far. And for some reason, it kept sticking in my head that it was like Rob Zombie kind of going, you know, kind of trying to push the envelope. And it just, the thing that kept popping in my head was Adam Marcus, whenever he kept talking about Sean Cunningham, telling him when he was writing Jason Goes to Hell to get rid of that fucking hockey mask. That's just what I kept remembering. I kept thinking in this, like, is Rob Zombie trying to get rid of this fucking Michael Myers mask? Because it was like, it, it, it almost, it wasn't the, the character that it usually is in a Halloween movie. It was taken away this time. And I just, I don't know. I didn't like that part where it was, once it's on, it should be on. I don't need to see his face underneath too. Oh, and before you go, Nico, I mentioned I was going to touch on Loomis. Um, I go back and forth on Loomis in this movie. Do I think it's a great character arc for Loomis? Uh, No, but I see what Rob is going for. And that's sometimes that's not the mark of a good movie when you have to really think about what someone's trying to do. Uh, Sometimes it is, you know, depending on the movie. I see what Rob is going for there in a normal capitalistic society. I think Rob was making the point that anyone in Loomis's shoes would have probably done something similar to try to cash in on his most famous patient. Like we see that every day in our society. There's a billion true crime podcasts. 
there's you know a billion true crime documentaries and there's a billion people that give exposés on you know certain killers they've interacted there's a whole freaking thing on netflix called the ted bundy tapes where the guy that interviewed him last sits down and kind of you know glorifies ted bundy a little bit like i think there's some i see what rob was doing he was taking a character that i don't think rob particularly liked from the original run of movies which outside of the halloween's one and four i don't love the character they give loomis in those films because in five he's a raging lunatic he he he's like the town drunk to me he he's crazier than michael myers in halloween five like i, I <laughs> like and halloween six he's so old i think he's great and like he's pretty good there but halloween two he's just as crazy as myers halloween two and five are 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 weird loomis too so um, you, I think Rob kind of gets away with playing loose and fast with it. And but now, what I won't knock is Malcolm McDowell's acting as Loomis in this movie. I think it's great and at sometimes pretty fucking hilarious. <laughs> I think uh, I think Loomis is in Halloween Six, and I like Halloween Six. I'm the only one that does. But I think Loomis is like uh, Lee Corso is right now, where he's just uh, fucking oh weekend. He's like weekend at Bernie's in that movie, and they're just oh, fucking fuck like tr- propping him up around where he's just supposed to be, and that's really fucked up of me. Sorry, R.I.P. Donald. No, I say R.I.P. Donald Pleasance. We're not here to poop on him. The acting in all those movies are great, but sometimes what they gave Loomis to do is the drizzling shits, man. And I don't think this is the drizzling shits if I view it through the lens of how of of again. This is one of those things where if you take the name Loomis off of that character. And he's just a normal psychiatrist and, you know, kind of working with a normal. I think we understand that character. We see that guy on TV all the time. And so I, I understand what Rob was going for. Whether I want it for my Loomis is a completely different story. But it doesn't, it doesn't bother me like it does a lot of other people. Brown M&M's, damn it. <laughs> uh, before I go into the next two scenes, the one thing I wanted to just comment on, because I don't know if it's true or not, but – what Brian said was interesting about the uh, the mask was Brian, uh, was zombie trying to get rid of it. Well, this movie also doesn't have any uh, of the Halloween score in it until the credits, so right, maybe right. he was trying to trying to strip out or strip down the two of the things that the diehards like the most. I don't know. He avidly was. I think the story there is the studio kind of meddled in his first film, uh, yeah. and really made him Halloween it. You know, for lack of a better term, and in this movie, Malik Akkad said, "No man, free reign, do whatever you want." Um, and whether we like that or not is irrelevant to the point of he did get to make the Halloween movie that he wanted to make. Well, and, I don't, I don't know, they because they the director's cut maybe, but even yeah, the, end, the ending they right. made him change, they made right. him change the ending. Right. Well, right, the director's cut is the movie Rob wanted everybody to see. So yes. <clears throat> But again, I mean, I, I think, like you mentioned, Nico, and I was going to mention that, the score is not in this film until the credits. So that's, I mean, I think that's kind of a bone that he gave. I don't think he would have had it at all if he didn't have to compromise there and say, well, we have to use John Carpenter's score in a fucking Halloween movie. Got to put it somewhere. And in the first one, I think he used it, he used it weirdly. It's like in a, it's in the scene where Kid Michael's running down the hallway with lockers, like, and so I don't know. I really forget that it's not in there until I hear the credits. Like, golly, that's the first time yeah. I hear it all movie. So that's how I was um, yesterday. <laughs> yeah, and again, I love the Halloween score. You guys know that, but um, I don't think it's necessarily missing from this movie because 
this isn't a normal standard Halloween film. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, coming up next is my least favorite scene of the whole movie. This scene's freaking terrible. Uh, yes. Myers is chilling now <laughs> and sees Deborah again. She walks into a room with a cross uh, wearing a black veil. We see young and orange mask Michael from the first one. Young Mike shows her this weird-ass room with a skeleton with a Myers mask at the top and these weird masked people at a table with Lori lying on the table. He asks if we can be a family again. She says, not yet, and things attack Lori from under the table, and she wakes up again. October 30th, Michael has made it to Haddonfield. Loomis is flirting with a reporter, and his agent says it's distasteful to use the Myers house as backdrop. He says he's selling the sizzle, not the steak. And he says he'll beat her opinion out of her when he wants it. Lori looks out of it and starts up her bathwater. Wow. She rests her head and sees visions of young Michael getting the knife and duct tape killing Annie like he did Ronnie. She wakes up in a seizure-like state, screaming with a lot of intercuts yelling, Die, you bitch. She wakes up for real and tells her stuffed, her stuffed animal buddy she's going crazy. Now we see Michael back in another field. I got kind of tired of seeing Michael in the damn field. Cher sees on the news with Loomis as he advertises his book, and he blames police incompetence for the body disappearing, and Bracket is heated. Now we're at the Rabbit Inn Red strip club, and we meet Howard, Misty Dawn, and Big Lou. Uh, Big Lou made on the news and has Howard bring him a drink. Howard talks too much, so Lou makes him take the trash out. He takes the trash out and bitches about Lou. He turns around to go back inside, and Myers is there in front of him. He tells him the boss don't like bums hanging out around here. Howard says he already sent someone to the emergency room tonight, so don't try him. He tries to walk past him, but Myers blocks him. He goes to hit Michael, but it doesn't phase him. And then Michael body <laughs> you'll like this, Mike. Mikey, Michael body slams him all the way to hell on my Jim Ross voice. Myers oh my now God. stomps <laughs> Myers <laughs> now stomps Howard's head to a pulp as mommy and little Michael watch on. Big Lou is having sex with Missy Dawn now with his Frankenstein mask on and or his little hair or whatever it is. And Myers enters the building. Lou is scared. Lou is scared, then grabs his gun. Myers slams him on the couch and snaps his arm. Misty sees Howard's body hanging and the exit has been like blocked off. They can't get out. Myers kills Lou by slamming him, slamming him into the wall repeatedly. He now grabs Misty and slams her head into a mirror repeatedly. And then Michael switches it, the sign from open to closed. All right, Brian, what'd you think, man? I'm so glad he took the time to fucking switch the sign. From oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Hey, hey, Brian, before you go, I, I just want to say this is this is the set of scenes I have the absolute least to say about. So you oh, can me ramble too. as long as you'd like. Well, no, me too. So, you know, the, the audience will probably be happy because we're already like an hour in and me and you have just been running our mouths the whole time. Yeah, well, you know, brother. <laughs> Um, so hey, it's Mike's but, birthday. We can talk as much as we want. That's to. true. That's, that's true. Right. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, but did I miss it? I mean, how did how did did they explain? And I just miss how Michael even knew at all that Lori survived the first movie. And and Alec how does Jesus, brother? How does he? Oh, okay. Well, that, well, that makes sense. I, I, you know, I didn't know how how he even knew where she was staying, where, you know, anything. He's just fucking like sitting in his barn, as Nico said. And let me Oh, has some like uh, weird Last Supper vision, or like Dead Meat James <laughs> called it music video vision, uh, and it was like you know, or Whoa. or it was either his vision or like that was Lori's dream. But now that you're talking about telekinesis being involved here, maybe it was both of them's vision. Uh, Who Hogwarts. the fuck knows? It's dinner at um, Hogwarts. I'm, 
And I'm not, I'm not still not fucking sure about that, but he just fucking has that and then gets up and starts walking. So maybe you're right. Maybe he just knows all that shit because he's connected a la Halloween five or some shit. I don't know. Uh, but props on Lori's nightmare with what I assume was, was an homage to Daniel Harris's Jamie Lloyd as, as Annie is tied up and Lori slits her throat. But you know, dressed in the, you know, the, the kids Halloween costume, but holy shit, like the cuts, the entire uh, sequence, the entire God. sequence with her, like being in a coffin. I actually really liked that. I thought that was tremendous. Like the way that she, what, you know, used that speed up fast, what saw uh technique basically with her in the coffin. Um, I, I really liked that. I thought that was well done. Now that the other vision so we have multiple three or four or five fucking visions of of dreams and last supper music videos in the set of scenes but uh this one i thought was pretty well done um the use of the heartbeat the background the cuts um scout i think does great screaming obviously the whole shebang i thought it was hats off um you know with the rest of the scenes i talked about earlier being cut out of her like losing her shit it's really the first time you you actually see the anger that she has um, what she's killing Annie, which is why I think they get the point across without having all their other shit, you know, that, that they cut out the director's cut. Um, lastly, the strip club scenes, dude, I, I don't like this at all. Like, you know, call me a dud or whatever, but I, this whole fucking scene right here can be cut. I think, I think it's completely pointless. Um, I believe that, you know, as much as I just talked to gave zombie props for, well, he puts on his mask whenever he's going to kill he fucking doesn't use the mask at yeah. all here. Yeah. You know, this, I believe this is the first and only time I think that Michael doesn't put on his mask at all to kill anyone. Um, but, but you know, he kills the dude out there. Plus the owner's a fucking idiot, takes out a gun, proceeds to walk up to a Myers close enough for him to grab it instead of just, you know, staying safely behind the desk with a gun. But okay. Um, you know, and besides showing the stripper rip his mask even more to show his face, but I don't really know a reason for this entire scene here. I just, I guess this, this was one of those needed. I needed a Lee Winnell to come in here and cut this and go, Rob Zombie, you don't need to have to show a full frontal nudity every single movie that you do. I understand, but you don't really have to have it in this set of scenes just because. Uh, but I don't know. He's got a, uh, a, a certain number of titties he's got to show in, in his movies, I guess. So I just feels like this whole thing's shoehorned in there for absolutely no reason. Yeah, I have even less than you, man. I, I'll be honest. Um, it's not that I don't appreciate this table, quick cuts, montage thing that they got going on here. It's just not for me. It's a little too bizarre and out there for my liking. And I know that's very odd on a horror movie podcast where we kind of allow anything to take place. But it's just it, it's, it's so it's so weird. Um, now I don't mind weird in the right context, but I just don't think it fits here. I know we're kind of showing Lori's. I've got, I, I feel like there's once every five months I use this phrase, so I'm going to use it. We're showing Lori's descent into madness for, <laughs> to be so cliche about it. Um, so I, I, I get what's, I get what's being done. I just don't prefer it to be shown this way. Um, but you know, that was just a miss with me. Doesn't ruin the movie or anything. I just, eh. I kind of, you know, if you turn this movie on and showed it a, a casual moviegoer, they'd be like, what the fuck is going on here, man? So I kind of, you know, obviously I don't think Rob was making this movie for casual moviegoers, so what do I know? Um, I don't mind 
all this killing at the strip club. I just don't care about these people. So they're on screen to die. Um, and so to me, they're just kind of brutal killings and I guess kind of up Michael's body count. Um, and again, like you said, it kind of bugged me that he didn't, he didn't put the mask on here. You're breaking your own rules here. Right. Uh, and I don't like that. But um, yeah, the I mean, there's some cool kills. The head stomp is cool. But a lot of this stuff just kind of feels like filler wasn't needed. Um, if you think the you know showing Lori's descent was needed, that's fine. But the stuff at the Rabbit and Red, and I understand his mom worked there. I get it. I I, I got it. Okay, but I just feel like we could have really trimmed that down by about I don't know two whole minutes and just shown him running through the Rabbit and Red, killing motherfuckers and walking out. We didn't need this extended you know quote unquote fight chase scene or whatever and i just kind of feel like it was a waste of time so yeah that's pretty much all i have on those man and uh i god i wish i had more but i really don't i just think this was kind of this set of scenes was just kind of a miss i will say uh, i do really i really i really like the scene with uh michael and howard outside by the dumpster i like that scene a lot but the stuff in the club doesn't do anything for me uh i think jeff daniel phillips did a great job uh, October 31st, Lori pets a baby piglet, and now Brackett sees something in Loomis's book that pisses him off. He calls Annie and asks if Lori is around. He wants Annie to find her and call him ASAP. Lori sees Loomis's book and goes into the store to check it out. Loomis is doing a meet and greet about his new book. He takes pictures and signs autographs. After a fanboy leaves, another man approaches. He shows him a picture of a girl. It's Linda, who was killed by Myers a year ago. This is her father. He calls Loomis a killer. He yells at Loomis and pulls a gun out on him to shoot him. Then police drag him out. Loomis complains of those type of people. Then his agent says she does believe his book crosses the line. Lori freaks out in her car as she reads some of Loomis' book, which then cuts to Michael walking in a field again. Annie chases after Lori into her room. Lori cries and says she's getting the fuck out of here. Annie says she doesn't know what's going on. And she says, give your daddy a message that Angel says, fuck you. Brackett sends an officer to his house to protect Annie. Lori gets to Maya's house and asks to crash there. She cries and tries to tell Maya her discovery as Harley walks in. She now tells them she's really Angel Myers, Michael Myers' sister. She says she's not joking and shows them in the book who she is. Dr. Loomis makes an appearance on a talk show alongside Weird Al Yankovic. Loomis says he resents the statement that he profits off people's misery. Michael makes it into town and walks the streets. A little kid dressed as a clown runs into the behemoth of a man. Are you a giant? And can we be friends? As he's drugged away by a chaperone. Lori wants to go party, but Maya says we need to just be chill tonight. And she says, I want a party, she yells, and Harley wants to go too. So they beg Maya to go. The three make it to the party, and I just heard the party is insane. Lori is pounding the drinks. Annie doesn't want the officer at her house. Harley leaves the party with a wolfman, and they get in his van. Wolfman isn't real smooth with the ladies, and this dude keeps telling bad jokes on stage. Harley is <laughs> I wrote Harley is hurting, so she kisses Wolfman and mounts him. He's, he's got to go pee, though. She jokes she might like golden showers. He goes to take a leak, and then Myers appears, killing him with a stab to the back. Myers now breaks into the van and kills Harley by strangulation. All right, go ahead, Brian. That's the next two scenes. <laughs> 
Yeah, so at the beginning here in the director's cut, the whole Lori stopping to play with a pig on her way to the work scene is non-existent. Uh, she instead, she actually goes to the psychiatrist and uh, tells her about playing with the pig. I mean, you kind of get a few glimpses of it, like in a flashback, and it, how it triggers, triggers like a nervous breakdown of her of sorts. When the, when the shrink denies her more pills, Lori freaks out and cusses out Marco Kidder some more. So again, some director's cut that was much better theatrical version in my opinion. Um, another little fun fact, you know, around 41 minutes here, Lori actually has a picture of Charles Manson over her bed later at around 57 minutes after Linda's father tries to kill Loomis. It's actually revealed that the gun was not loaded just like the gun Manson follower, Lynette squeaky from pointed at president Gerald Ford. So I'm sure that was a nice little Rob zombie, um, Charles Manson tie in there on purpose. Uh, again, you know, props to, and I know I keep saying it, and and I know we talked about it earlier. Nico hates this scene, but I, I think it's great. I actually it, it scout her performance when she finds out about being Angel Myers. Um, I thought she she played that great. It didn't get on my nerves. I also liked really the the filming choice to cut outside the car where you can only really see her but not hear her in there. Um, I really liked that. I thought that was well done, and I also kind of laughed in the uh, in the interview where. Uh, Loomis called Weird Al Yankovic Mr. Weird. I don't know. It's just the, when he said it, I was like, wait, what did he say? It was just kind of, I don't know, that made me laugh. Um, again, you know, the scene with the three girls, I think would have been, I mean, if you would have built more character development um, throughout with some interaction, you know, before here, I would have given a shit a little bit more. I just don't care about them. So the scene with Harley being killed in the van, you know, spoiler alert, that's that's actually my least favorite kill. Um, but I just, I didn't care. I didn't care about them. And, you know, when the, the golden showers line, I just was like shaking my head. Because, of course, Rob Zombie's got a Rob Zombie here. Just, where, why? What, what was the purpose of that line? But, anyway. Uh, and lastly, you know, in, in the uh, director's cut, there's a cut scene here of a, a non-masked Michaels uh, or non-masked Michael along with the uh, Jedi Force ghosts of, of young Michael and his mother. Then they're like angrily looking at a billboard that advertises Loomis's book. So again, another what the fuck in the director's cut. Go ahead, Mike. Yeah, so I kind of touched on this set of scenes a little bit earlier. Um, <laughs> I, I, okay. Uh, like you mentioned, Brian, the Piglet stuff isn't even... <laughs> really in the director's cut, you know, she goes and sees her psychiatrist and kind of flips out on her and because she can't get any more pills and stuff like that. And, you know, I, I want to give Brad Dorf a ton of credit here for just portraying the, his anger at Dr. Loomis's book. Yeah. So Brad, um, Brad Dorf finding out that, you know, Lori's secret is in this book and his, his, the expression on his face, you can just feel his hatred for, <laughs> for uh, Dr. Loomis coming off of the screen, and I I love that. Um, and I love Scout Taylor Compton's performance as she finds out that she is, in fact, Angel Myers. I touched on it earlier. We don't get that in the original set of films, and in this one you do, and I think she's great at getting across just how messed up this whole thing is. Um, I I think it's, it's really, really good, really too two fantastic acting performances. You get, you know, the book signing scene. And I love that they bring Linda's dad back in 
And, you know, there was original cut where, um, you know, it throws blood on Loomis and all this other stuff. Uh, if you look close enough, you can see it left in. Uh, you know, one scene he has the blood, another scene he doesn't have the blood. So, you know, kind of weird cuts there. But I, look, I really think it depends on which version you watch. He's still pricking at the actual cut. But, man, this scene really hammers home the a-hole that Loomis has turned into, uh, you know, blood money off the backs of innocent victims. And and I think that that, that, that scene, that grieving parent, really gets that point across. I like it. I, I, I think it's really good. Um, then you get to the friend's house. And to me, it kind of ruins what we just saw earlier where she, you know, she can't really speak. She can't say, she says, I'm, I'm Angel Myers. Don't you fucking understand? And if I were her friend, I'd be like, no, I don't understand. What the fuck are you talking about, lady? Like, so, uh, I, you know, her, I just don't like anything with these friends and it's not a knock on them personally. I just don't think they're relevant to the scene. I mean, they're kind of good, kind of helping her out. They're going to stay home, but Lori wants to party. They go to the party and then we get dick liquor herself doing some dick licking in the van. <laughs> and she wants the golden shower and all this other stuff. I do think her kill is good. Very reminiscent of, of every other, uh, you know, boyfriend, girlfriend kill that we have in the Halloween franchise, at least to me, except this one just takes place in a van. So, uh, you know, I think, you know, the only thing that this, hey, one nod Rob Zombie should have given the 1981 Halloween 2 is he should have had Harley say, Amazing Grace, come sit on my face. It would have been a role reversal. It would have been hilarious. Anyway, that's all I'm saying. A little fun nod and wink, but that would have been, you know, whatever. But, uh, yeah, that's all I have. I actually really like everything in this set of scenes, theatrical and directors, except for the weird dialogue from her friend that gets killed. That's pretty much it, though. I think it's a really strong set of scenes. I got to be honest. Uh, like, Maya and Harley, like, their their lack of development doesn't really bother me because we, we know who we're supposed to care about. But I, I understand where y'all are coming from, but... Uh, back inside, we see Maya and Lori partying. Loomis watches his appearance on the talk show. He thinks he was horrendous on the show, and he says it's over. Lori starts to freak out, yelling for Maya. Lori now sees Deborah and young Michael asking what they want from her. Deborah says it's almost time to come home, Angel. Then we see Michael attack her from behind. She freaks out at the party, and Maya drags her out. (laughs) She tries to go back inside, but Maya says, absolutely not. And she says, Harley will find her own way home. Annie gets a call from the sheriff. The officer leaves the porch and goes and checks the yard. Then Myers appears from the tree and chokes him out and I guess breaking his neck. Annie goes upstairs to the bathroom and we see a glimpse of Deborah and little Michael. Annie now sees Michael in the bathroom with her. She goes to run out, but it fades to black and we hear Annie screams and we hear stabs. Maya and Lori arrive to Annie's house. Lori yells out, she's Michael Myers' sister and she's so fucked. They go inside and upstairs. Lori sees the destruction in the house, then opens the bathroom door. Annie is on the floor, you know, naked and bloody, and the walls are covered in blood. She yells for Maya to call 911. Lori Lori holds her in her arms. Maya calls 911 and tells him about Annie, but doesn't know the address. She goes outside to get the address, and Meyer snatches her back inside, slamming her on the table. He now stabs her viciously with a giant knife, killing her. Lori sets Annie down to go help, and an officer tells Brackett that a 911 call came from his house, and he panics. 
Laura tells Annie to stay with me, and she dies in her arms on the floor. No time for tears, though, as Michael breaks down the door and chases after Lori. Lori sees Maya's dead body now. Lori makes it outside and takes off running. She's chased through the woods by Myers. Brackett makes it home, and he sees his dead daughter on the bathroom floor, and he's heartbroken. And I do like the director's cut version of this scene better than the theatrical. Uh, That's probably one of the only things I do want from that. Get that that man an Oscar. (laughs) (laughs) Two, Two officers carry him out. Lori finds a road, and she cries out for someone to stop. The next car stops for her, and he says he's going to take her to a hospital. She gets in the passenger seat, and Michael slams him through the windshield. Myers now flips the car over off the side of the road. The car ignites on fire, and Myers carries her out of the car. He carries her as he's led by Deborah and little Michael into an abandoned barn or shack, whatever it is. And the next two scenes are ending. What do you think, uh, Brian? Um, yeah. At the beginning, you know, again, I kind of roll my eyes at Michael using the force and, and knowing where Jamie, I mean, Annie's house is and, and, and that, that, that Lori was staying there, but okay. You know, I, I do kind of feel like this whole scene with the shotgun guard outside of Jamie, I mean, Annie's house um, is kind of an homage again to, uh, to Daniel Harris's Halloween four uh, lame kill. I think with, with the guard though, you know, needed to see a gun being shoved through his face. You know, what's the point of having the undertaker as fucking Michael Myers, if you can't show off his ridiculous strength with a gun being shoved through the dude's skull. I don't know. That's what I needed right there. Um, and he, you know, he, he apparently teleported inside by the way, but that's a normal horror movie trope. So I'll let that one slide. Um, I will complain a little bit here though, that I don't know, if they ran out of money, time, both, or stylistic choice, I don't know. But, you know, Annie's scene, I, I was disappointed. Like, the, the slow motion, I didn't like. And then the whole thing being off screen. I mean, I, you know, Harris gave such a ridiculously good performance in part one. You know, one that was almost disturbing. It was honestly so good. And, and you know, we talked about it a lot in that review. You know, I feel like she was kind of wasted here. Um, you know, and... I do think her scene with Lori is very well done. Um, she does a great job with what she's gear- given. They both do, honestly. Scout continues to kill it here. Uh, but, and, you know, something I wrote down here that's kind of, I don't know, I just noticed it, so it stood out. But, like, the the spray painted, like, 666, the Pentagon, the shit all over the bathroom. Is that Lori's bathroom? And I just missed that earlier. I mean, just a gen- genuine, genuine question here. Like, I just... Is is that just was Lori did all that? She painted the six 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 and all that shit on there because I was like, where the fuck did that come from? Like I don't know. That's why I was uh, genuinely confused. Yeah, she's so, so edgy, bro. So so every emo goth in movies has to be a devil worshiper too. Okay, I got it. Um, anyway, you know, and and my God, you know, we kind of you touched on it. Brad Dorf's performance when he finds Annie is is tremendous. Um. I didn't like the choice of the soft music, though, after Annie passes in Lori's arms. I didn't feel like that that scene needed it, but the soft music as Brackett discovers her, I think, is strong and works very well. Um, I I said the exact same thing you guys did. We talked about it before. 
This is the only part that I feel like that the director's cut got right over the theatrical cut right here. Um, you know, the it's longer. It gives Dorf more room to breathe with his performance, um, as well as there's some shots like intermingled of, of uh, Daniel Harris as a child growing up with with real personal footage being used there that that really tugs on your whole father daughter heartstrings. It's it's tremendous. Like that's that's a really good scene that I really wish they hadn't cut out of the direct, or out of the, the theatrical cut too. Um, lastly, you know, stupid teleporting Myers to the to the hitchhiking car aside, which you may recognize the guy who picks up Lori as uh, the one Mr. Sean Whalen uh, from Twister and uh, Men in Black, both amazing movies. Uh, also, if Myers isn't trying to kill Lori or Angel, he's pretty awful at it. Like he almost does in the first one, tips the car over, sets it on fire here, could have easily killed her. Who fucking knows? But but teleporting Myers aside, this is my favorite group of scenes, I think, in this movie. Um, you know, it, it it humanizes the victims in in Annie and Sheriff Brackett more than than any of the big three franchise. And I feel like that that's that's missing in slashers, especially in their sequels. And I I think that exploring the PTSD and the the the, the humanizing the victims was was too much in this one a little bit, but Rob Zombie got that right. And I want to see more of that in, in horror movies. I, I thought that was well done here. Man, yeah, I he, said so much nice stuff about that movie. In this wow. Right here. Wow. Just, look at all the niceness. Wow. Feeling all the, the, the niceness up in here, Brian. Uh, <laughs> you made a point that I have right here. Rob Zombie is actively trying to humanize the victims in this movie because one of his least favorite things about slashers is how, you know, and we're guilty of it. We have a favorite kill and least favorite kill, but we're slasher fans. So it's not a bad thing that we do, but he doesn't like that term kill. He thinks it dehumanizes the victims. And look, in some movies, I'm okay with that because it's a fun slasher, like whatever. But if you're telling the right story, you know, I understand what Rob is trying to say. Um, so yeah, you're right on the nose with that, man. But look, um, everything at this party with weird music, I could take or leave. Um, I'll give Scout credit for her freak out at the party. I think it's pretty good. But, you know, them going home and, and all of that stuff. So everything before they get to Sheriff Brackett's house, well, whatever. Like, I'm just going to be honest. It's just not for me. Now, from Sheriff Brackett's house up until the car tips over, I think is really good shit. Um, you know, I think the the – God, the fear that Danielle Harris portrays when she interacts with Myers, that, that we get to see that is good acting. She's great here. Uh, and Tyler Mann is also great. Um, you know, she actually pitched harder for a better death. And so they gave her one here. You know, she, she didn't think the way that she was going to originally be killed off in the original script was good enough. She begged for a better death and, and, and got it. You know, she said, if I'm going to die, I want it to be good. I want it to be done correctly. Um, and so I, you know, commend her for that. I think it's, you know, a pretty good death, a, a very fitting death to a beloved character. Um, you know, and, and again, uh, Maya's kill is fine, whatever, but she's on screen to die. We knew that going into the film. Um, Scout here is also great. Her emotion while she holds Andy, I think is just really, God, it's so good. Uh, again, he made us care about these characters over this two movie stretch. I have to give him credit for that. Um, or at least I did anyway. I, now you touched on 
Bradorv as Sheriff Rack as a as Sheriff Brackett in his discovery of Annie laying on the floor in the director's cut. It is top-notch level acting, and I don't care if anyone look. There's people that hate his acting in this scene. I'll never understand that. That makes zero sense to me. Uh, his real emotion. You could tell Bradorf, you know, kind of cracked into something in his psyche there. You know, the way his voice kind of gives a little bit when he's saying, no, Annie, like you just hear that, that pain sounds real. And that, you know, they, they kind of slice it in with uh homemade clips of Daniel Harris. which I thought was a really nice touch. Um, like you said, though, Brian, Michael Myers being able to teleport to where uh, Lori is after all that, I think is, is really, really bad. Um, and, the, you know, this is the point that Nico always makes. Man, Michael Myers still sucks at killing Lori Strode. Jesus Christ, man. <laughs> well, that's what I didn't get if he was trying to take her prisoner or kill her. If he's trying to take her prisoner, he's fucking terrible at not killing her because he's almost done it like three or four times. Right. All right, here's the ending. An officer tells Sheriff about another uh, another body they found and a witnessing a large man carrying a woman from the crash site. He believes they're barricaded in an old shack. Lori sees Deborah and she says, I love you, mommy. Please don't and let me go. We see helicopter lights and sirens all around now. Lori yells out for help. You are surrounded. Loomis sees breaking news about the incident. They can't believe it, but they think it's the deceased killer, Michael Myers, that's said on the news. Sheriff repeatedly says that he's surrounded. Loomis shows up and Brackett punches him and says he wants to shoot him. Loomis said he came. He wanted to help. He says Michael will not listen to hostage negotiations. Loomis runs to the shack and says he owes him. He walks in and sees Lori freaking out, but no one is there. She flails on the ground as he yells to stop, and it's all in your mind. Michael grabs him and tosses him, then slices him over and over, and then stabs him over and over. A sniper gets a shot on Michael, hitting him twice, and Michael lands on some like farm equipment, I guess, impaling him. Lori says, I love you, brother, as Michael tries to kill her, but he's too weak. And you, yeah, y'all, y'all are right. I mean, you've had plenty of opportunity to kill her. Lori takes a knife and stabs him in the chest repeatedly, yelling die over and over. She walks out the shack now with the Myers mask on. She falls to her knees and removes the mask. She holds the mask as a spotlight from above is on her. The eerie Halloween score picks up as we go down this white hallway into a close-up of Lori sitting on her bed. And I wrote, she looks terrible. A white horse and Deborah approach her as she gives a sinister look. All right, Brian, what did you think of the ending, man? The theatrical uh, ending. Well, I think the ending is a clusterfuck, to be honest. I mean, so... No matter which cut, by the way. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't like it at all. So my first question, the officer tells Brackett that a, a witness saw someone carry a girl from the crash and is held up in a shack. But who the fuck actually saw that? Like, did, did Waylon survive... I don't think so. I mean, even Dead Meat James gave him a kill being thrown through the, the through the windshield there or being set on fire or both. Um, but I, I was just curious and would love to know who, who the hell saw him do that. Um, pretty empty road there. Um, it, also, fuck you, Loomis. Look, I think he tried to give, I think Zombie and you might mention he tried to give him some sort of redemption here. I just... I felt I just feel like that you built that character up to where to me he he was beyond redeemable. I don't think that that bracket should have let him even near any of the shit, um, even if it means him living. I think he should have been stuck in the back of that squad car and, and not been, you know, even even allowed to go in there. Now, you know, 
seeing him die was actually pretty, you know, satisfying a little bit, which is sad because I really loved that character in the first movie. Uh, Lori walking up to Myers and telling him that he loves her was completely, what the fuck? It was completely out of place. You know, I mean, or, or she loves him. I mean, it was just completely out of place. So, you know, you know, she may have lost her mind, but it makes absolutely no sense in the whole context of the entire thing. You know, I also think Brackett should have been the one to kill Myers. I know he shot him a couple of times. I just, I would have liked to have seen him just walk up and satisfying, shoot him in the head, just something like, I, I think that, that, that should have, he should have been the one to, 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 to do it. And I, I don't, I don't know if he really did or not. I don't know if Lori gets credit for that kill or not. I'm not real sure. It's just the ambiguity of the whole ending is just like, what the fuck? But if, if you leave it, you know, like it is, I mean, I guess I'm okay with it. You're basically copying Halloween four, you know, with the, with ending, with the insinuation, you know, that Lori is, is, you know, going to be fucking Michael Myers, but, but, but what makes it even more of a clusterfuck is, is the behind the scenes stuff. Like in the commentary, zombie said that, that, you know, he actually, he says that, that Lori did actually die and, and that, that was just the the last thought that was going through her head as she died was her being in a sanitarium, which what the fuck? But but yet, according to the horror syndicate, the actual plans for the third Rob Zombie Halloween from Zombie would have it be, you know, with Lori in the sanitarium and it start off with with Lori actually having killed Dr. Loomis instead of Michael as she was hallucinating. You know, th- then you have the director's cut of this shit, which God almighty, it has Michael talking and saying die as he stabs Loomis and the cops open fire and fucking kill Lori with the knife. And then we fade to the hospital with the love hurts playing, making absolutely zero sense unless you're implying the entire thing was in Lori's head and she survived the bullets like, you know, a la surviving the three from hell ending or the, 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 uh, the devil's rejects ending, but you know, uh, who, who the fuck knows? I don't know. I, I'm just, I'm done. This, this ending was bullshit. <laughs> um, I have to agree with you a lot, Brian. I think this is a mess, man. Um, I don't like anything that takes place in this barn shed thing. I, I mean, I agree. The, the, the death of Loomis is satisfying, especially in this actual cut where Michael Myers literally, literally kills the fuck out of Loomis. <laughs> um, yes. I, I, I mean, good God, man, that is some brutal shit. And again, not, not to be whatever, but it's pretty satisfying. I would have rather had bracket kill Michael Myers instead of him falling on a bed of nails or whatever the fuck that's supposed to be. I don't fucking know. I don't work in a farm, but um, that's fine. I guess. <laughs> You know, like you said, it's so open-ended. We don't really know if Michael Myers is even in there, um, you know, depending on which cut you watch. And, if, you know, like you said, you touched on what the third one was going to be. I guess that one was going to pick up where Michael Myers wasn't in there. Am I not right about this, where Lori yeah, hallucinates the whole thing? That That's right. not any better, man. So no. I don't know how you're going to end it. I don't have, like, a perfectly tied-up bow on how you end it, but I don't like anything that they do here. Um, I love, man, I, I mean, you might as well just give me like a, uh, you know, a big ass picture of Brad Dorf and have him sign it for me. I'll put it up here because 
his God, I want to shoot you scene is awesome. Like his, he's so good as Sarah Brackett, man. God, I wish this new timeline would just incorporate him somehow. I, I, I don't know how, but anyway, um, yeah, even in the even in the damn director's cut where you know they kind of like go full on um, Jason goes to hell or. It's not Jason goes to hell, is it? Where they shoot him, like all yeah, over, like it is. It's Jason. Okay, goes to hell. so Jason goes to hell. I mean, they go full on Jason goes to hell and shoot him a million times or whatever. Uh, all that just man, I just don't like it. I don't think it works. Um, so any ending you see, I think it's a mess. Here's something I think they get right um, in the theatrical cut. They don't use the love hurts, not in the one I watched this weekend on the Blu-ray. Um, in the director's cut. They do. Um, And you know I'm a fan of the original one by Nazareth. I'm a big, big fan of that song. And it's kind of creepy overtones. Uh, I actually like this cover. (laughs) I'm a music file, so I'm a big fan of music in general. And I think the cover is creepy. And and I think they use it really well. And I like the the lack of color. Or, or, yeah, it's the lack of... It, uh, white is sorry. I, I should listen to Dr. Loomis more. White's the absence of color, and and or it's all the colors, or whatever the fuck he says in the first one. But yeah, um, I like that they kind of go back. <laughs> I like that they kind of they kind of go back to that in this scene with Lori. Uh, I like Scout's, you know, the look on her face. I think it's very evil. And if there was a third one, okay, as long as we're not saying Lori died, then we have to retcon that. Which hell, this franchise of retcons everything. So what difference does that make? I guess, but. Um, yeah, the ending is a cluster. It doesn't land with me, unfortunately. Uh, Michael Myers saying, die. I, that's the one sin that I don't like. Grunts, okay. You, you, you almost lose me there, but Michael Myers speaking is, is just not for me. So I'm going to take a big steamy shit on that. That's not good <laughs> at all. Um, so yeah, uh, for all the good this movie has in it, there's really bad stuff like I think both ends tend up being white's actually the absence of color michael a steamy steamy one and and black is all the colors thank you i thought it was the opposite i thought black was the absence of color and white was the abundance of every color i don't know other way around ah fuck it all right uh you got any more final thoughts you got any final thoughts before you jump into a couple fan questions (laughs) <laughs> no i can't wait for these fan questions oh my yeah. god i'm sure they're great <laughs> uh michelle asked i love rob zombie and i am one of the few people who actually like this movie do you guys think this portrayal of michael as a way more violent and ruthless killer does the character justice i will answer that first and say for this movie yes for john carpenter's 78 michael myers no it's terrible <laughs> right i mean I agree it's with that it's Jason. I said it. I've said it in the last two movies. I love Jason. I love the character of Jason. This is Jason. I just don't want it to be Michael Myers. Is all. I mean, I don't even think it's Jason. I don't even know. I don't know what it is. Uh, well, well, my answer goes into. I think Tyler Maine does a great job. He did. He um, does. Friend of the show, Tyler Maine. He of the even show. gets. He even gets some of the Michael nuances right. Uh, he's just a more brutal version of the original character so I, I think his walk is good his nuances are good uh i think the brutal portrayal works for the rob zombie universe and only the rob zombie universe right yeah uh sean Irwin said you'll probably answer this but which version is better theatrical unrated 
the answer answer that. <laughs> that was yeah. that's my Definitely. answer. I'm mixed. I I'm kind of in the middle for certain things. Uh, I'll be honest. I think I I feel the same about this that I do about uh, Halloween Six. I think if you put both cuts together oh, to no make way. a better film, yeah. Look, look. I'm not saying that the the what is it the producers cut of oh Halloween God, Six dude. is any good. It's but not at all. Dude. I know. But if you put some of the good in that movie and leave it in the theatrical cut, I think you get a better, more tightly wound film. And the same thing here where I think there's some things they could have left in uh, that I would have enjoyed. But overall, if I had to pick one, I would probably go theatrical cut. But you don't get Brad Dorff's dialogue, and so that's a problem here, man. No, I yeah, keep that, but fuck the rest of it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then this is just a fun comment, and I don't – my man Wesley Hudson. My only question is, why is this movie so awesome? Hey, man, that's like I your opinion. That. That's like your opinion, man. <laughs> I, I can't answer that for you. Uh, the mitigated gall of that. Man. Hey, I respect everyone's opinion. Uh, that's right. Let's jump into a few fun facts. I just got these from IMDb. Uh, this this had to be a little bit painful. Uh, John Carpenter was offered a cameo in the film by Rob Zombie, but he turned it down. Uh, the first Halloween movie to include Michael clearly walking around without his mask on. Uh, until 2018, Daniel Harris was tied with Jamie Lee Curtis for the second most appearances at four each in the Halloween series after Donald Pleasance appeared in five. Uh, this is the first Rob Zombie movie to not feature zombie regular Sid Haig, Bill Mosley, and Tom Tolles. And this is the last one I have. Rob Zombie originally stated that he would never do a sequel to Halloween until the studio decided to make it. Now, then Bill, Mo- Bill Mosley actually was in this, yes. I think, and then yes. dropped out because of some sort of studio interference or something yeah, made him that's mad. that's what it was. Oh, okay, yeah. well, that's cool. Uh, yeah. Hey, he didn't really have a role in the first one, honestly, though. Not much no. of one. No. Uh, Zombie originally stated he would never do a sequel to Halloween 07 until the studio decided to make it. Then he signed on to write and direct because, <laughs> because he didn't want someone else to ruin his vision. Oh wow! Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, it, hey, I, mean, I, I respect it. Any, I respect it. I, I wouldn't want three new guys taking, you know, three or four or five new guys taking over this show. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Anybody else got fun a, facts? I said all mine during the show. Go ahead, Money uh, Mike. Oh well, here we go. Uh, this this movie was made for a cool fifteen million and made thirty nine point four million. So. While that sounds like it did doubled its budget, it was a very disappointing return on investment. And it's partly the reason why the franchise was rebooted yet again uh, nine years later. <laughs> the best of the franchise, by the way. Uh, anywho. That's um, Halloween 78, motherfucker. You watch your mouth. <laughs> hey, you know that. You know 18 is the best sequel, though, by far. Anywho. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, uh, yes, yes, yes. Mike, this is your birthday pick. Do you want to go first or last? Uh, if you're not first, you're last. I'm going to go last. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> I'm too drunk to taste this chicken. Uh, I'll go first. Uh, favorite kill. I chose Howard, uh, just cause I love the body slam and the head stomps. I actually like this head stomp way better than the 18 one. My yes, least favorite. I do agree with that. I chose yes. uh, deputy Neil <laughs> and I wrote, there's no way in God's green earth that cop didn't see Michael hiding in front of the fucking tree. Like, how do you, how do you miss this? Uh, that, that scene pissed me off. Uh, 
All right, this is just my little summary I wrote. Before doing my notes, I had not seen a theatrical cut of this film, only the directors. I must say this version brought my rating up quite a bit. Uh, it doesn't push Lori's behavior, you know, overboard. Uh, Loomis isn't quite the insufferable asshole he is in the director's cut, but he's still an asshole. Uh, to state the obvious, I hate the white horse elm in this movie. Uh, Sherry Moon has no place in it. Uh, I can see the vision that Zombie had with Myers and Lori for this film, and I honestly feel like if you cut the white horse elements, and I've already said a lot of this, but uh, if you make Lori a bit less annoying and more of that, you know, maybe like an H2O type or something, uh, a PTSD type character, it'd be really good. Uh, this is not the quintessential Michael Myers, and it's definitely not my preference, but I didn't hate this as, as bad as I thought I would. And I'm sure everyone who's expecting my rating probably didn't think it'd be this high, but I gave it a 5.75, and, and I wrote, that's pretty good considering what I've said of Rob Zombie in the past. Now, did you say you were going to give two ratings? Oh, yeah, that's... 5.75 is for the uh, theatrical. If I rated the uh, director's guy, I'd probably give it like a four and a half, four okay. and a quarter, something like that. <laughs> okay. Um, you know, I, I've, I've, we've talked at, at length so far and I've given my opinion on this. Um, you know, I, I honestly agree with Mike and you know, I, if this was not a Halloween film, I would rate it higher. You know, honestly, but this is a Halloween film and I have some things in this Halloween film that I would have liked to have seen be more Halloweeny, if that makes sense. Um, you know, it's the old Halloween's got, you know, Hitchcock-esque, Hitchcockian, I guess, if you would like to say too. Yeah, that sounded dirtier in a minute. But, uh, you know, in a lot of ways, it's it's more psychological. Let's go with that. Right. Um, you know, and yeah, the sequels were all over the place. Um, but in the sequels, I would argue that, you know, even, even in the first Rob Zombie film, they at least try to hit a tone. They at least try to hit an atmosphere of the 78 Halloween, because that's what we come to expect from a Halloween movie. So when I sit down to watch a Halloween movie, I don't want to watch the devil's rejects. I want a Halloween movie. Now, I didn't, you know, kill the rating on on Devil's Rejects either. I, I didn't hate it. It's probably my favorite Rob Zombie movie that I've seen so far, which, you know, isn't saying a whole lot, but, I, you know, it is. Um, you know, but if I'm, I'm, I would rate this movie higher if it wasn't a Halloween movie. Let's just go with that. But it is. And so the theatrical cut, I actually gave this movie a five, which is a lot higher than I was going to until I you know, watch the theatrical cut. Um, I gave the first Halloween movie a five because I've, I remember saying that it was half a movie and so it gets half a score. So <laughs> this one was at least a little bit better, honestly, uh, but there were some problems and so I gave it a five. Now the director's cut of this, I give a 2.75. I think that movie's fucking <laughs> shit. But the theatrical version is a lot better. A lot better. Okay. This is what Brother Dustin said. So I like how Rob Zombie made it his own. I think we have to give credit to someone not being afraid or intimidated by a franchise's prestige to take chances. I love how it was filmed on 16mm to make it feel and look grimy. I don't fault him for the white horse mom kid Michael storyline. It gave us a more introspective look at while Michael is the way he is. Mental issues. Do I like it? Not necessarily, but it provides something no other Halloween film has, a motive and reasoning. 
He goes way overboard with it, however. It makes it feel like we're watching a Dracula video. Yes, he does. It definitely has its flaws, but this Michael Myers is the scariest Michael of the franchise because he's absolutely brutal. Won't watch it often, but certainly not the worst movie I've watched. Least favorite kill. The coroner that died in the cow crash. A cow got a kill before Michael. <laughs> oh, I don't even think I gave my favorite kill. Least favorite uh, kill. Sorry. Favorite kill, Howard. Not every day we get a head stomp to, to, to death and it looked gnarly. He rated it a 5.25. What the fuck? Go ahead and give your kid. That was the only movie higher than Dustin. You did. I don't. I just don't think Dustin's a big Halloween fan. I just think he saw what Rob was trying to do, which is kind of what I think his notes summed up here. Um, he likes. He he's a lot like me, where he likes some things and he didn't like some other things, and kind of like the rest of us. Uh, I think we all have a very similar opinion. I don't think he loved this movie by any means, though. I think it's as far as his Rob Zombie films. I think it ranks, you know, kind of towards the bottom here. I just don't think Brother Dustin's a big fan of the Halloween franchise in general. Yeah. Uh, so that's fair. Um, okay. If you want to name your uh, your two kills, you can, Brian, before I go. Um, Richard Brakes, uh, Cutting Head was my favorite one. And the chick, Golden Shower Chick, I can't remember her name in the van, was my least favorite kill. Okay. Uh, yeah, I've kind of said everything I really need to say. I'll get... I give Rob a lot of credit for doing something different. I don't always like what he's doing, but I understand it's his vision. Kudos to him for sticking with his vision. Um, I just kind of wish it wasn't so involved in a Halloween movie, um, where I think some of the stuff he did in the first one, he he nails, and in this one, I just don't think he does. Um, The director's cut is more of a convoluted mess. There's some stuff I like better than the theatrical cut, but overall, I think the theatrical cut is a much tighter film. And so I'm okay with that. I think the acting in this movie is not bad. Uh, outside of the, you know, outside of the friends of Lori, I think there's really good performances from Brad Dorff, Daniel Harris, Scott Taylor Compton, Malcolm McDowell, so on and so on. Uh, every time I say Malcolm McDowell, I just want to say Michael McDowell. I have to sing like this. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so um, all that being said, my least favorite kill is Maya, who I think the kill is inconsequential. is kind of a big stab. It's whatever. Um, my favorite kill is the corner that gets his head cut off. I think that's great. <laughs> I'm with you, Brian. We are suckers for net kills, man. I don't know what that is. That's kind of scary. <laughs> uh, so all that being said, a pretty good, you know, I pretty much have given all that I can give on this film. I think it was an interesting discussion about sequels and, and you know, how to go about them and new takes and remakes and reboots and all that stuff. I think it was a good dialogue, so I appreciate you two indulging me in that. Um, all that being said, I gave the movie the exact same rating that Nico did, and that is a 5.75. Um, I couldn't quite give it a 6 because the white horse bullshit, it just brings it down a little bit for me. But I'm gonna go right with Nico. Uh, look, if I had to give the director, if I had to give the director's cut uh, a, a rating, it probably it wouldn't be a lot lower. It'd probably be a five point two five. So um, that, yeah, I mean, our general thoughts are kind of the same. Everyone across the board. I don't know what to say right now, to be honest with you. <laughs> Ready to rob zombie movie higher than Dustin did. Uh, uh. Um. Y'all got any more final thoughts before we jump into uh, announcing off our blood dunk? I'm I'm shook up right now, guys. I'm sorry. 
Yeah, it's all right. <laughs> um, no, I'm good. I need to go shower. I, I, I'm gross. Yeah. Uh, sorry, I kind of said the same thing in my opening and my closing, but that's really nah, how I feel right. about this movie. Uh, yep. All right, let's give a quick shout out to our blood donors. We really appreciate every one of you. You uh, you've helped us out tremendously uh, keeping this podcast going. Uh, our legendary blood donors, Miss Joe Swinford, Mister Sean Irwin, Mister Matt Sears. Miss Shan Petrasevich, Miss Michelle Merza, my guy Austin Graham, and a new legendary blood donor, Mr. Andrew Ferguson. Really thank you. Appreciate that. A couple of Dream Warriors, uh, Tasha Reed, and my man Hunter Nelson. Some camp counselors, Mickey McCrane, uh, my man Jared Summers, my man Dennis Kennedy, and a new fan, Joseph Clayton. Thank you all so much for being a blood donor and helping us out. It means the world to us. We really, really thank you for uh, supporting us. Just want to remind everybody. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.